Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Alright, good day Tokers and Toquettes and non-toking Lovers of Liberty, it is Tuesday February 16th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world Welcome to the show from beautiful, sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. I am at the Hooters Casino and Restaurant and Hotel. Looking right out my window, David Copperfield is staring at me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm looking right out at the MGM Grand Hotel, and there's a let's see, one, two, three, a six-story tall face of David Copperfield looking right in my window. I'll have to make sure that I wear my pajamas tonight. It's really scary. <laughs> it's a beautiful day in Las Vegas. I just flew in from the Bay Area where I attended the International Cannabis Business Conference. And what an amazing two-day conference this was. I did two live shows Saturday and Sunday from the floor. But I know a lot of you weren't ready to hear a show on the weekend. So I'm going to replay some of the stuff I played over the weekend on today's show. Some very, very important stuff. Uh, we spoke with Congressman Dana Rohrabacher, the uh, conservative from Orange County. He's the Republican that created that amendment uh, that's passed twice now uh, and been signed into law forbidding the federal government's Department of Justice from interfering with state legal medical marijuana. So I asked Congressman Rohrabacher, why are they still messing around with state legal medical marijuana? You'll get his answers today in our very first interview, Government at Work. Also on the show today, we got, a t- got some time for an activist agenda. We spoke with John W. Lee. He is a proponent for the Marijuana Control Legalization and Revenue Act. This is a, another initiative for legalizing marijuana, not the one that's getting all the money, the Sean Parker one, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, but a competing initiative. We asked him why, if he thought it was wise for there to be competitive initiatives in this uh, very crucial election season, and you'll get his answers today in the activist agenda. In our drug war data mining today, we get to speak with Dr. Emily Erlenbaugh. She's with Mindful Cannabis Consulting, and she had some problems with some uh, statistics being cited by Dr. Joycelyn Elders, the former Surgeon General, in her presentation to the ICBC. We'll get that from her and why she sees a problem in some of the ways we collect data when it comes to uh, marijuana in this country. Also, uh, we'll have time for a radical rant on today's show. I'm going to go off on what I consider to be the dumbest reasons to oppose the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in the state of California. And then in Hour 2, Toker Talk Radio, we'll get a chance to speak with Dale Schaefer, an extended interview with Dale Schaefer. He's a drug war POW who did five years for a medical marijuana garden in California that was supplying himself and his wife. He's a hemophiliac. She was a breast cancer survivor. They were helping other breast cancer survivors, and uh, the feds did not take so kindly to that. So he just got out of his five-year mandatory minimum. He's fighting mad and ready for activism. Also, we've got a, a quick presentation 
Todd McCormick presenting Arjun Roskam from the Strain Hunters out there in Amsterdam with a Lifetime Business Achievement Award. All that's coming up today on the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com right after our Cannabis Radio News. And in the headlines today, we've got good news and bad news. We've got some movement for Bill in Vermont for the legalization of marijuana. We've got the Utah Senate demanding that the United States government reclassify cannabis as a medical uh, drug. We've also got Marijuana Policy Project announcing their details for a medical initiative in Ohio. New Hampshire has defeated two out of three of the legalization bills in their legislature. New Mexico has killed a proposal for legalization. And we've got more news on the Adult Use of Marijuana Act and Sean Parker in California. Like I said, a jam-packed show here live from Las Vegas. I'm Radical Russ. We're back right after these messages. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Imagine life without taxes. Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Bootcamp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, February 16th, 2016. A bill to legalize possession of up to an ounce of marijuana in Vermont by adults in the Vermont legalization bill has cleared a second state Senate committee. The Finance Committee voted 6-1 to one on Friday to approve a measure previously passed by the Judiciary Committee on January 29th. The Finance Committee, which writes tax policy for the state, added a 25% tax to marijuana before approving its version of the bill. The measure now goes to the Appropriations Committee, which needs to review the costs associated with regulating the drug in Vermont. Then it would require approval by the full Senate before moving to the House, where its chances are said to be far from certain. 
The Utah Senate could urge Congress to change marijuana's status on the national drug schedule, which could open the door to medical marijuana research in Utah. Senate Concurrent Resolution 11, sponsored by Senator Brian Shiozawa, would require the approval of the full legislature and Governor Gary Herbert, but if passed, would mark a significant change in tone about marijuana from state leaders. Marijuana is currently ranked on the DEA's drug schedule as Schedule 1, putting it in a group of other drugs with no currently accepted medical use and a high potential for abuse. Other Schedule 1 drugs include heroin, LSD, and ecstasy. Shiazawa's resolution would urge Congress to reclassify marijuana to Schedule 2, making it similar to Vicodin, OxyContin, and Ritalin. Marijuana Policy Project has unveiled more details about the medical marijuana amendment planned for Ohio this year. The amendment, which will establish a system where patients with certain medical conditions can apply for a medical marijuana ID card that allows them to buy and possess marijuana. The state would license businesses to grow, process, test, distribute, and sell medical marijuana, and sales tax would be applied. License fees and tax revenues would pay for the program's administrative costs. Patients and their caregivers could grow their own marijuana as soon as the amendment becomes law. And there will not be a monopoly, a sticking point with the recreational marijuana amendment last year. Last week, the New Hampshire House defeated two of the three proposed bills to legalize marijuana in the Granite State. In a voice vote Wednesday, lawmakers defeated a proposal that would have legalized the possession of up to 2.2 pounds of marijuana by adults 18 or older, and another proposal that would have legalized the personal possession and use of up to one ounce of marijuana by adults 21 or older, with both allowing six plant cultivation and creating a retail market. The surviving bill would allow adults 21 or older to possess up to two ounces of marijuana, grow up to six cannabis plants, three of which may be mature, and give up to one ounce of marijuana to another adult without financial compensation. As written, the bill does not authorize retail marijuana sales, similar to a law passed in Washington, D.C. in 2014. New Mexico lawmakers have killed a proposal that would legalize and tax recreational marijuana. Six Democrats joined Republicans to oppose the measure in a 24-17 Senate vote Sunday night. Critics say legalizing marijuana could lead to increased crime rates, but supporters argue that legal pot would be good for the state's economy. The proposed constitutional amendment would have been placed on the November ballot if approved. Proponents have vowed to try again. Sean Parker has doubled his investment in marijuana legalization. Following an initial $500,000 investment earlier this year, the former Facebook president, who in his mid-30s is settling into a new lifestyle as a billionaire philanthropist and angel investor for political causes, donated another $500,000 toward the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, according to campaign finance records. Parker has now donated $1 million to the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, which, if approved by the voters, would legalize small amounts of cannabis for adults 21 and up in California. The ballot measure is attempting to collect sufficient signatures to qualify for the November ballot, if approved by the voters, and it looks like it has the money to do that. The Adult Use of Marijuana Act now has $2.25 million in its campaign war chest, according to records, with additional donations coming from Weed Maps, about a half million dollars, the Drug Policy Alliance, another half million dollars, and a political action committee funded by the heirs of the late Progressive Auto Insurance Chairman Peter Lewis for another quarter million dollars. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Tuesday, February 16th, 2016. I'm Russ Belleville. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. 
Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. The paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Forming America's marijuana prohibition laws takes education, lobbying, and voting. From Washington, D.C. to your state capitol to your city hall, marijuana law reform involves all levels of civic life. Learn how you can make your impact with elected officials as we take a look at our government at work. We go back this weekend to my conversation with Orange County Congressman Dana Rohrbacher. Welcome back to the International Cannabis Business Conference here at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. Radical Russ here with CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belville Show. And joining us at the desk, I'm very honored to have Representative Dana Rohrbacher from Orange County, California. Welcome. Here I am, and uh, I'm very happy to be with all of these folks who are trying to find a way to make our country a little safer. And uh, by making sure the police are focusing on real criminals rather than trying to bust down people's doors because they're smoking a weed. You know, you were just a part of what may be a historic panel with yourself, known as a uh, conservative Republican with a libertarian streak from Orange County, yep. and representative, my actual congressman, uh, Earl Blumenauer from Portland, Oregon, known as the bike-riding liberal. Uh, what is it that brings you two together on this issue, and why doesn't it bring together more of a bipartisan? Well, we've, we've got a couple of uh, issues that we work on. Earl and I uh, have discovered on water issues, for example. I'm uh, very much in favor of energy and water development. Uh, and Earl and I join on the water part of it anyway. And uh, the marijuana issue is just simply common sense as far as I'm concerned. You have, uh, uh, if we have limited amount of money in the federal government, we want to make sure it's wisely spent. And the, I can think of nobody who thinks that the war on drugs has been anything but negative in our country. Do you feel that Republican colleagues of yours 
might be more might embrace this issue more, but they're afraid of the electoral fallout? or And do they need to be afraid of that? Well, you know, I'll have to tell you, it's, it's a, there's, there's philosophy, and then there is uh, just practical politics here. One is philosophically and, print, and in principle, Republicans should believe in limited government, individual freedom, and especially now with Obamacare, which we have been complaining about, we believe in the doctor-patient relationship. And for, uh, for my fellow Republicans to uh, basically to reject the idea that the states have a right to determine whether they, medical marijuana is legal in their states is sort of a violation of the fundamental principles. Well, I was able to talk to my fellow Republicans, and I got 67 of them to face that reality that if they really believed in that, that's what they, how they should vote even though now they're going to have to explain that to their Republican voters. Yes, yes. I, I you know, the Tenth Amendment uh, case is a very strong one. I often make a Ninth Amendment case that you can't expect that a bunch of uh, agrarian hemp farmers who drank themselves blind at the Constitutional Convention would think we, the government's job is to police our bodies. And I, it, it encourages me to hear more Republicans coming around to this well, issue. I certainly agree with you there. I just went to Mount Vernon and Monticello with my kids, and there, George Washington... It was the biggest whiskey distiller in the in the colonies. Yes, and he was growing hemp as well as was Thomas Jefferson. Yes, so. you you uh, very famously have been championing uh, what we call the Warbacher Amendment to uh, forbid the Department of Justice from spending money on interfering with state legal uh, marijuana activities. It got passed. It got signed. It became law. And DOJ kept doing what they're doing and, and making raids, even going to the point of saying, oh, that's not what they really meant. Can you give us an update on what's happening in this conflict? Well, I'll have to admit, I was, uh, being a Republican, I really thought that President Obama would be much more uh, commanding on this and, and, and impactful on the marijuana And given uh, his background. Situation. Yes, of course. And uh, he has uh, permitted his own Department of Justice uh, to continue to... Uh, basically violate what the Congress has laid down as law. And I'm saying that because I wrote that law. Yeah. I mean, that's my law. I got a majority of people in the House and a majority of people in the Senate to vote for it. But it basically says if a state has legalized the medical use of marijuana, it is prohibited from any federal funds being used to, to supersede that law, that state law. Well, when you have federal prosecutors... Uh, still taking people to court, I've had to write letters to judges saying, look, this is the law. <laughs> and if you have someone in you, if you have a federal prosecutor in your court trying to uh, 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 run a case against uh, someone for medical marijuana, the only criminal in the court is the prosecutor. He's the only one who's broken the law. Now, I would have expected, frankly, President Obama to have not permitted that, hmm. and, uh, and he has. So uh, it's up to us now to, we're going to pass this again. Hopefully we can get it now done to just medical marijuana. But we were within 10 votes of having the states have a right to declare recreational use of marijuana in their state. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm actually authoring an amendment this year that would even pull medical marijuana as well as recreational. A final question for you, sir. Uh, the, the, the situation with our uh, American veterans, there's been a lot of movement uh, attempts in Congress to try to 
create more access to medical marijuana for veterans and PTSD. Can you tell us how that's going? I think one of the uh, one of the very worst stories that have coming out of the marijuana issue uh, is the betrayal of our veterans. Uh, we now know that marijuana has some very important medicinal purposes, no matter how much they've tried to <laughs> hide that and keep that from the public. We know that. And uh, we've got evidence, we've got case after case where uh, veterans have been helped, people who are going into seizures. And by the way, it's not just veterans, but, but we know that it would help veterans. That's a the worst betrayal of us to take someone who's gone out to risk their life for us and has in some way got, uh, ended up with a, a brain injury of some kind or something where they're going in, into seizures, not to let them. But children also. Yes. This is true with children. So how can these people not want us to try to help children and veterans? I mean, is, it, is there anybody more deserving in our society of our help? Uh, nuns that? and orphans, maybe. Yeah, I, I, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, I think it's important for us to reach out. And uh, our Republican, my Republican friends need to be talked to by their constituents, person to person, in a very not hostile way about what we're talking about right now. How can we deny veterans? How can we deny children? Uh, and uh, that would and, and and also, why do we need to have a police state throughout our country, you know, aimed at trying to prevent someone from smoking a weed? <laughs> I mean, it's way out of proportion. And, and so many of the unintended consequences. My hometown, Nampa, Idaho, little town in Idaho, has an MRAP for its police department. One of those mine resistant. Right vehicles and this yeah. is just one of those that's insane yeah <laughs> and for one thing it costs a lot of money yeah and we have limited money. and by every one out of every five dollars we have in Washington is borrowed from the Chinese oh. so we're borrowing money from the Chinese in order to uh, basically bust down the doors so that people aren't smoking weed here and we give then we owe all that money to the Chinese and who are we empowering the drug cartel. Right. I mean, in the end, who's the real beneficiary? The drug, because the people are still smoking the marijuana. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I would prefer, frankly, if people didn't smoke as much marijuana. But so what? I mean, uh, I yeah. prefer if people don't drink as much tequila. I and, prefer uh, people didn't cut me off on the freeway. I mean, <laughs> I prefer a lot of <laughs> there things. There you go. <laughs> you know? but, uh, but the fact is that people have a right to choose in their life. And for us to borrow money from communist China mm. in order to in order to regulate their personal lives and then create the Al Capones of our era, yeah. uh, this is about as, as dumb as it gets. We, we're borrowing money from the Chinese to imprison more people than the Chinese. That's amazing. <laughs> Congressman Dana Rohrabacher from Orange County, California, here at the ICBC. Thank you so much for sitting down and talking to us. We really All appreciate right, it. God bless. Thank you. We'll be right back after this. A true delight speaking to Congressman Dana Rohrabacher there at the International Cannabis Business Conference. We talked on Saturday, and after that discussion, he stayed there at the desk for another 10, 15 minutes. We continued having our conversation. It was uh, it was a real delight getting to speak with the congressman on a lot of different issues. Shout out to Tony Archer and John Thomas in our chat room. Tony says, a Republican I can support. John Thomas says, unfortunately, a very rare bird. A rare bird indeed. We're going to take a break, pay some of the bills. Make sure you check out some of our sponsors so we can keep bringing this show to you absolutely free. When we come back in our activist agenda, John W. Lee... 
from the Marijuana Control Legalization and Revenue Act in California. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Normal. And I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll-free 888-67-NORMAL. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. Back to the International Cannabis Business Conference where I sat down with legalization activist John W. Lee. Welcome back, everyone, to the International Cannabis Business Conference 2016 at the Hyatt Regency here in San Francisco, California. Radical Russ here from the Russ Belleville Show and CannabisRadio.com. Joined by John W. Lee. He's a proponent of the marijuana control legalization regulation? Revenue. Revenue. I almost got a three for four. Not bad. Getting better. Uh, Thanks. John, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Russ. Uh, the MCLR is an initiative that you've got proposed for 2016 for California legalization. Uh, this is not the one a lot of people have been hearing about in the news. And it's been a shame that we haven't had as much news media coverage. So here's the chance. Tell people about MCLR and what they need to know. Thanks, Russ. Well, we've certainly spoken over the years of the progression of MCLR. If you recall, we qualified for signature gathering for 2014. But most folks, including the cannabis community, expected everyone to come to this year in a presidential election year to utilize the voter power to pass something like this. So we've been actively working for many years in the industry. We're well known as the true grassroots community-based effort here. Our document was written literally from a ground zero single-page document that everybody contributed to. And since then, we've become fairly well known, as you can imagine now in the community, as far as most likely the other candidate for achieving ballot status here coming up in November. Uh, My friends in the code world would call this open source. 
Absolutely. Right? Is that the idea? Like, we are truly, like Linux. <laughs> no question about it. And we use those tools. Again, we used a wiki-based document. We use Google Doc processes, and we use social media tools to get the word out and continue to build the community. And that's continued to be our path. We've always been open source. Our door has been open for contributions to people to language. Of course, now the language portion is finally over in California, and we're making decisions of what we can get to the ballot. And as you mentioned, there's a few of us that are working to do that right now. You mentioned you had a press release that came out today. Give people an idea what's what's new with MCLR. Thank you, Russ. Uh, actually, today we did announce that both uh, versions of MCLR, which I'll explain just briefly, uh, are now available for signature gathering. Uh, what we have done is we had two versions that the community was interested in. We created our core document, which is MCLR version 3, which is a comprehensive regulatory process that, again, is still to this day, is the best language that's been written. And I'm not ashamed to say that in debates and conversations with even the AMA folks, they've clearly stated that they see some quality of ours that is superior to theirs. So the AMA group came in a little late in the game, and that's why they've struggle with the language portion. But what MCLR is announcing today is not only is that version available for professional printing, so we do have a pack available or individuals that can contribute to that and move that forward through professional printing and signature gathers. And then we also have something very unique, Russ. This is something really exciting for Californians. We have our version 5, which is really a one-page document that you can actually print, download, print, and sign and send in yourself from home. And you could actually gather a few signatures along with this. So this is something that we've moved forward with. As you mentioned, our grassroots and open source process, we can now use the tools that are available for people to sign this and get it sent in for signatures and ultimately to get on the ballot. So our announcement today is that those options are available. You can actually go to mclr.us and you can download version 5 right there and get other information. You can join to volunteer through the process as well. And of course, as always, we're looking for donations because that's the core of what really we're talking about now. It has come to a financial issue for the initiatives getting to the ballot in 16. Yeah, it's it's a shame you know, that money is so big a part of our politics, but it is. And I always ask three questions about initiatives. Uh, how many signatures have you got? How, mu- how much money have you raised? And how well does your language poll? Uh, what can you tell me on those issues? Uh, money raised, we're doing that right now. So it's clear we've been very public that we don't yet have the money to move for a full campaign, but we're waiting even at conferences like this. People are finally coming forward, as you know, now that the field is cleared. Uh, and I apologize for the full range of the questions. Uh, uh, how much money, uh, how many signatures? Signatures, again, just opening up Starting the door it. here. We started Can version 5 just recently. 350K? 365,000 plus yeah. uh, valid signatures. Okay, 365. What's the deadline on that? Uh, by the end of April, really, we want to gather everything. So okay. we're looking at about a 90-day window. There's a lot of variables put into that, but uh, primarily we want to announce that we've got less than 90 days to get these signatures. And, and given that your language is fairly new, probably no polling on it yet. Yeah, you mentioned polling, and that's been unique in this industry in the last year or two. Although there's been some peripheral polling done, it hasn't quite supported what we know to be true. So polling is important, certainly from an investor and a, and, and a validation standpoint as we move forward. But at this point, we did polling several years ago. It follows the pattern. We've, we've addressed all the issues that most folks have asked for. So as we move forward, we would expect additional funds to come together and continue to do additional polling and obviously education and outreach throughout the state. Why move forward with MCLR when there's an Adult Use Act that's got a lot of money and a lot of people behind it? Uh, and, and do you fear that having two initiatives fighting might divide the support and maybe even risk both of them for having a better chance? Uh, good discussion and certainly pertinent. I would have said the same question to the group before they initiated their effort. Uh, we were here long before them, as was a couple others. And you can see the example of the Reform CA group, a strong, powerful group that 
in some ways held us off and held the committee off wanting to see what their language and their content would be and they ultimately came out with not the best language and have since disbanded and withdrawn hmm. and thrown some of the support to the AMA initiative, some to ours and others. So uh, there's a lot of different variables going to the industry. Do we want to see multiple initiatives? No. Was it our choice? No. Our door has always been open. We were looking for collaboration. They chose to take another path. It was not our choice. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we certainly will close the loop here because we have a huge constituency of stakeholders in California to want us to pursue this. And if I can, you asked about the yeah. differences primarily is what we want to know. There's some very basic ones that we're concerned about in California. Uh, with the AMA initiative, if that does move forward, is not much of a step forward from what we're currently experiencing. California, under the current MMRSA or the MRSA, you see what's occurring. All we talk about is bans and how we're all going to different communities and trying to solve that. That's what we currently live in California. The AMA initiative will have some similar impact, so there's a real decimation of the access, accessibility of marijuana in California. Additionally, with the AMA initiative, we're concerned about uh, possession limits and new crimes created. Once again, the comment to this overall is that it needed more time to be vetted and properly written, and they didn't allow it enough time, and so we feel there's some holes in there that weren't addressed properly. In our case, we felt we've addressed them, we have better options, and we believe that regardless as people move forward, we need to get on the ballot, and the community has to come together through funding effort. Uh, whether the Alma Initiative has the funds to get the ballot, we were able to do that with a minimal amount of effort, and now there is no place else to put the money, we believe, in California. You're either going to succumb to what the difficulties are with the languages I mentioned, or you're going to allow an open source process to give people what they want and also provide the kind of enforcement and structure that the regulatory systems need as well. So we've done our due diligence for years. Uh, we're, we're comfortable where we sit, and we're just proud to say we're looking to signature gather now and fundraise. The, the door is open, and, and we're looking for people to come forward. It's an interesting thing, politically speaking, because I see some parallels to the Democratic presidential race. You've got Hillary Clinton, this establishment corporate Democrat with scads of money, and then you got Bernie Sanders proposing revolution and doing it on a grassroots level. But only one of them is going to get the nomination, and, and some people fear if Hillary gets it, the Bernie supporters will be all angry and not vote for her. If a similar thing happened, if Alma made it and MCLR didn't, do you worry that MCLR supporters might not get behind Alma, or would you counsel them to or not to? Or Too premature for me to speak to okay. that, honestly, Russ, and I'm not trying to avoid the question, but I think as things evolve, we have to be observant of what's happening in the process. We are certainly anybody in the initiative process and the prohibition repeal process are generally on the same side. So I think it's premature to close the door on any particular issues, just as I'm disappointed that many folks have supported AMA prematurely, I think. Um, so we still have time to make those decisions, and let's see how that plays out. Right now, I'm supportive of anybody who's educating people, getting people to vote and register to vote, and then the education process. And, and we'll come together on this. I'm, I'm confident of that. And again, when you, you come to conferences like this, you see the, the power of the people that have been doing this for years on years, but we pretty much understand what we need to do now, and it's just uh, getting to the finish line properly, and that's what I'm, I'm hoping to enhance. Right on. You know me, I support all legalization, and unlike like the Democratic primary, you can vote for all of these. You can sign all of them and vote for all of them and give us three shots or four shots. That would be great. You know, let's let's try to get legalization to happen. Uh, MCLR 2016 language is out. The website is mclr.us slash 2016. Any other information? You know, you mentioned something, and if I can, Russ, uh, the Democratic Party. In California here at the end of February is the uh, California Democratic Convention in San Jose, okay. my hometown. 
uh, we will have a presence there as MCLR. We'll be able to have a presence and, in fact, uh, to give some props to a very important group, the Brownie Mary Democrat yes. Club in yes. California organized by Lanny Swerdlow and, and participated up and down the state. Uh, I was actually with Lanny yesterday in San Jose, and we solidified with the help of some supporters and benefactors, a, uh, a, a hospitality suite for the Democratic Convention. And maybe Bernie and Hillary will stop by, but delegates and the public are welcome. As you know, Demo uh, conventions are a unique process in, in politics. And if you can get to San Jose, support cannabis movements, we expect to have people publicly speaking, if possible, and supporters and gathers out there. So I, I support the Brownie Mary effort. I support all the work that we're trying to do to work with the Democratic platform. So there's the opportunities we all need to understand to use in politics and even local communities. Pay attention to the elections, local elections coming up in June, council memberships, board, supervisory positions, all those opportunities, committee memberships, um, all part of the process. So it's an exciting year for all of us here, and uh, thanks, thanks for allowing me to speak and, and talk about what we need for support. I'm glad you brought that point up, because I think sometimes our people get really happy and involved about politics when it's a pot initiative on the ballot, and then they forget about it the rest of the time, or they're interested in voting for governor or president. And they don't realize that real change, real lasting change happens at the precinct level. Being committee members, being city councilmen, that's where we start to enact real change. You know, and again, back to grassroots, right? Yeah. I mean, we're really talking about it. That's why I feel so comfortable what we're doing. And grassroots has really evolved into something more than just, you know, people standing on the street corner with a sign or, or banging on your doors. And, and now it has effective policies. So the difficult thing for people that we talked about this is getting them activated and taking action. You can only ask so much of an individual that comes from their heart and what they want to do and whether they're just going to sign a petition or or uh, 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 support these kinds of efforts, they, they have to do a little bit more right now. So I don't, I'm not uncomfortable in pushing people, as yeah. I think you are and all of us. We have to have people step forward because we're going to lose opportunities now. There's no going backwards. Take advantage of the moment in history and do your best with what you can and support good work. John W. Lee from MCLR 2016, mclr.us slash 2016. Thank you for educating and trying to legalize marijuana. We appreciate it. Thanks, Russ. Thanks. All right. We'll be back with more from the International Cannabis Business Conference here at the Hyatt Regency San Francisco on CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belville Show when we return. Great talking with John W. Lee. And, uh, you know, he, he stayed true and stayed strong in the middle of uh, my questioning. I don't know. With the Adult Use of Marijuana Act now having $2.25 million in the bank, it seems to me what's the clear choice as far as what's going to get on the ballot for legalization. But, hey, everybody's got the right to engage the democratic process. When we come back, Drug Board Data Mining, Dr. Emily Erlenbaugh joins us next right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Tokers. 
There's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. Promoting the end of adult cannabis prohibition is easy because we have facts, science, reason, compassion, evidence, truth, and logic on our side. It's even easier when researchers catalog it all for us. Learn how to gather the facts on marijuana use, arrests, seizures, rehabs, drug tests, and more on this edition of Drug War Data Mining. We spoke with Dr. Emily Erlenbaugh on our Drug War Data Mines. This business conference at the Hyatt Regency San Francisco with CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belville Show. I'm Radical Russ. And joining me at the desk is Dr. Emily Erlenbaugh, Ph.D., a cannabis patient consultant with Mindful Cannabis Consulting. Emily, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Russ. Uh, you are a Ph.D. and cannabis patient consultant. What does that mean? What do you do daily? Sure. So for the Ph.D., my background is in um, the analysis of scientific research models. So okay. I looked at you know different ways that people have done research. Specifically, I was looking at happiness and the ways that people were studying happiness. Um, and then looking at that to uh, find out which methods are really scientifically reputable, which are using you know, verified, time-tested scientific principles to gather their data, as opposed to maybe you know, studies that are designed to get a particular rhetorical result, um, like we see in the drug war, uh, so many studies that are designed to show negative things about cannabis um, that are not very accurate. Or, or like the tobacco industry in the 50s with their scientists, you know, oh, doctors Absolutely. say smoke camels. <laughs> Absolutely. You can definitely design a study to show almost anything you want it to show. So what are some of the uh, methodological tricks that are being employed by the drug warriors that people should be able to see through by now? Sure. Well, one great example um, today in uh, Jocelyn Elder's talk, she was mentioning how um, teenagers who use cannabis early on um, suffer drops in their IQ. And so there's a bunch of studies um, from the past that have claimed to show that. And the problems with those studies is that they really didn't look at what other factors might be leading someone to start using cannabis. So we see a lot of times cannabis use in teenagers who are already struggling in school. Maybe they have problems at home. Maybe they're in low socioeconomic situations. Um, kids that are um, you know, in good situations to thrive often um, are you know, told by their parents, don't use cannabis. Uh, it's illegal. There's lots of factors there. And so, you know, we've seen studies where you show teenagers who use cannabis have lower IQs. Um, recently, they've done twin studies. And so with these twin studies, they're, you know, 
one twin uses cannabis, one twin doesn't for 10 years as teenagers. They're finding no difference in the IQs between those two teens. And so what that shows us is that, you know, we don't have any sort of reason to suspect that your IQ would be lowered. Um, what we see is that those other studies really showed that students with lower IQs are more likely to start using cannabis. Right. It's, yeah, it's the chicken and the egg question and we're getting Absolutely. it backwards. Absolutely, yeah. I, I see this in, I come here from the fact that I got drug tested in an IT job. And, mm-hmm. you know, because my armpit hair could tell you how good my brain is. <laughs> but that led me to, you know, looking and, and debunking some of these uh, workplace statistics. Like the one they'll try to say is uh, that the people that use marijuana over their lifetimes have lower incomes and achievement. I'm like... Yeah, because you drug test for the good jobs. <laughs> Absolutely. And then you have you know issues where people are arrested for possession, and now all of a sudden they have a criminal record. And because they were a cannabis user, now they have much lowered prospects in terms of success for the future. Um, you know, These are all the worst effects of cannabis are the legal yeah. repercussions. Um, and so for the medical results, we, we see a lot of positive things. Um, and you do see so much detriment from the social stigma and the legal repercussions involved with cannabis use. Yeah, I often say that you can't trust many statistics when the thing you're studying is illegal. And you're asking people you know, to, to mention how much they break state and federal law. One of the things that we're hearing a lot lately is with Colorado, Washington passing legalization, Rocky Mountain High Intensity Drug Trafficking Area cops will say, well, there's been more hospitalizations, there's been more poison control calls. And I'm thinking, yeah, because you won't get busted now for calling. Do you think that's happening a lot now with these statistics? Absolutely. I think that, um, you know, whenever you are looking at a statistic, you can pull the information that you want and present it in a certain, that certain way. Um, I think we can look at other statistics like uh, the statistics showing the huge decrease in deaths from overdose of opiates in yeah. the areas where you have legalization. Um, you know, people can take an edible that they're not used to and experience a lot of um, sort of panic-inducing effects if they're, you know, not using the right strain, um, they're not used to the effects of THC. They, it can be a very scary experience for people. And so, you know, that's why you see increases in people going to the emergency room. They're, it's now safe for them to do so. Um, what we don't see are increased... Um, negative end results where the people who are going into the emergency rooms are now coming out with, you know, some kind of negative outcome that they've, you know, um, uh, oh, they have actually overdosed in some kind of negative way. They have a bad trip. They go to the emergency room and then they're fine the next day. Uh, it's not the health crisis people are making it out to be. We're speaking with Dr. Emily Erlenbaugh. She's with Mindful Cannabis Consulting and uh, you can find them at mindfulcannabis.com. And uh, you were mentioning how you had originally gotten into studying happiness. What took you from happy, well, from happiness to cannabis? I mean, it's <laughs> sure. kind of an obvious thing. Seems link, obvious, right? H- how did that work? <laughs> um, well, you know, really, that was uh, my, my personal journey. I have several chronic pain conditions, um, and I was on numerous prescription medications for that. Um, I came from New Jersey, it's where I was born, and cannabis was not a legal option for me at the time. Uh, When I moved to California, I started using cannabis and found that it was so much more helpful for all of my conditions. I went from being um, essentially disabled. I was housebound for months at a time. 
uh, to, you know, working really more than full time at this point. Um, and it's, you know, it's really been life changing for me. Um, what I realized through the course of using cannabis myself was that there was so much variety in terms of the different types of cannabis out there, the different ways to use cannabis, um, even differences in the growing methods that really change how the cannabis will affect you as an individual. Um, and so I started bringing the research that I'd been doing in my academic career into my cannabis use and saying, well, how can I record how each different type of cannabis that I'm using is affecting me so that I can find the one that's going to really, you know, keep me clear-headed, pain-free, and just able to function really well through the day. Um, once I figured that out for myself, I decided to bring that to other patients, and I started a consulting practice where, you know, I bring these tools to patients so they can hone in on the strains, the methods that are really going to help them, you know, deal with their symptoms and stay functional and stay in the state of mind that they're looking for, whatever those desired effects are. Applying the scientific method to patient needs, you mean rather than the bud tender saying you need some OG Kush? What, <laughs> yeah, what kind of What kind of process is that? Mindful Cannabis Consulting could help you with this. Emily at mindfulcannabis.com if you want to email and get more information. Anything else you want to tell our audience that maybe I'm not thinking to ask? Yeah, sure. You can go to mindfulcannabis.com. That's our website. And um, we actually offer free introductory consultations. So any patients who are looking to just get some insight on what might be a good avenue for them to um, to look for, for in terms of strains or treating a particular condition, they can book an appointment with us online or give us a call and you know we'll do a free half hour um, conversation with them, hear more about their needs needs and give them some suggestions. Excellent. Emily, thank you for joining us here at the desk, and uh, I hope you have a great ICBC, meet a lot of people, and have a good time. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me, Russ. All right. Stay tuned, everybody. We will be back with more from the International Cannabis Business Conference here at the Hyatt Regency San Francisco right after this. All right. We're live in Las Vegas, Nevada here, bringing you more of the International Cannabis Business Conference. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll have time for a radical rant. I'm going to tell you the dumbest reason to oppose California marijuana legalization when we come back. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo, Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Georgia. 
Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the national organization for the reform of marijuana laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com We must wage what I have called total war against public enemy number one. I support a change in law to end federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. That marijuana, pot, grass, whatever you want to call it, is probably the most dangerous drug. Some think there won't be room for them in jail. We'll make room. I experimented with marijuana a time or two, and I didn't like it and didn't inhale. One major responsibility is to encourage people to use less drugs. Entirely legitimate topic uh, for debate. Radical Rant. Welcome back, everybody. Live here from Las Vegas, Nevada, and I just came back from the Bay Area where I spent Valentine's weekend covering the International Cannabis Business Conference. Uh, There, I got the chance to interview numerous California marijuana activists like Chris Conrad, Ed Rosenthal, John Lee, and so forth. I got to interview a California congressman. You heard my interview with Dana Rohrbacher. And I got to interview a California movie star, Tommy Chong, which you heard on yesterday's show. I asked them all about the pending Adult Use of Marijuana Act, the 2016 legalization initiative backed by billionaire Sean Parker and the major national legalization groups that has already raised $2.25 million for the campaign. And throughout my discussions, With the people that are opposing this legalization initiative, one common theme keeps coming up. It's something articulated to me by attorney Bill Panzer when he said, quote, if you're going to sell it as legalization, it ought to be legalization, not just decrim, end quote. That's paraphrased. I hope I remember that as closely to accurate as possible. And the core of this argument is that the Adult Use of Marijuana Act isn't legalization, Because, as Ed Rosenthal told me, there are criminal penalties. And I pressed him. I asked, more criminal penalties? And then he just replied with a strong, criminal penalties. People will still go to jail. So I pressed further, replying, yeah, but people are going to jail now. And he retorted, yes, and more people will go to jail under this initiative. Really? Is is this really all the opponents of the Adult Use of Marijuana Act have to go on is that it doesn't legalize enough? When someone is talking to you about a legalization initiative and asking you to vote against it, keep in mind this one simple question. What are the penalties now? Rosenthal dismissed the fact 
that the Adult Use of Marijuana Act will legalize the possession of one ounce of marijuana and the cultivation of six plants. And let's be clear, Bill Panzer, legalize, not decrim. Decrim means that there's no criminal penalties, but there still can be civil penalties. I live in a decrim state of Oregon for until we legalized, and I could have gotten a ticket. That's still a penalty. Under the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, no ticket, no penalty, no probable cause. Legal. It will be legal to possess an ounce and cultivate six plants. Right now in California, one ounce is decrim. You've already got decrim. You get an ounce, you get caught with an ounce in California, you get a ticket. And cultivating even one marijuana plant, one cannabis plant in California is currently a felony that gets you 16 months to three years. One plant. And of course, I'm talking without a medical recommendation. So clearly, (coughs) the people who are currently going to jail for one to six plants won't be going to jail anymore. So I'm having trouble imagining how more people would go to jail under Ed Rosenthal's idea when the ones growing one to six won't be going to jail, especially since California or since Colorado legalized one ounce and six plants. Their marijuana charges dropped by 80% statewide for all marijuana law violations. 80% drop. That's right. With with just one ounce and six plants, four out of five people who were getting charged with weed crimes aren't anymore. And I'm betting it turns out roughly the same in California. The problem with Panzer's quibbling about the proper name for the process that this initiative begins for ending prohibition in California is that it just doesn't matter what you call it. Call it legalization. Call it decriminalization. Call it tax and regulate. Whatever. The important thing is whether or not it reduces calls from cannabis consumers to bail bondsmen and defense lawyers. And the Adult Use of Marijuana Act will certainly do that. Oh, but... But California should do it better. We're California. We can do it better. Really? Look, there's been medical marijuana in the state of California for nearly two decades now. And there have been numerous marijuana millionaires minted in that state's medical green rush. So how is it they never pooled their money together to get this better legalization that California is so ready for? Oh, wait, right. That's right. One of them did. And many of these same opponents of legalization today pilloried him with the same scares. Ooh, a 25-square-foot garden isn't enough. Ooh, an ounce isn't enough. Ooh, he's just trying to corner the market for his rich friends. I heard all those warnings about Prop 19 in 2010 and all the promises that true legalization was just around the corner in 2012. And here we are in 2016, still waiting for legalization in California. Another common rejoinder I get is, well, nobody goes to jail for having too much beer. That's a buttress for the whole, you know, it's just decrim argument. And that's true. I mean, nobody goes to jail. You can buy keg after keg after keg of beer. That's where this whole true legalization rests. It's this idea that it's not legalization because there are still regulations on possession and cultivation that if violated could lead to going to jail. But folks, that's the case now. 
<laughs> We're all for true legalization in the sense that we think nobody should go to jail for a plant. If you're polling me, it's all the weed you wish to possess and cultivate. It's legal for everyone 18 and older, and no employer or government can discriminate against you because you use it. But you need the votes of 50% of Californians, too, and they are not ready for true legalization. You put that in front of them, they lose, and that means prohibition wins. With the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, we've got a chance to move away from prohibition. And that's the key. Legalization is a process that leads to freedom, not an instantaneous realization of freedom. You don't get to choose between the legalization that makes the ballot and the legalization you want. You get to choose between the legalization that makes the ballot and the prohibition you currently have. That's all the time we got for Hour 1. Stay tuned. Dale Schaefer is next in Hour 2. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a scene, you manage, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a scene, you manage, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Toker Talk Radio, the voice of the marijuana nation. What are you people? On dope? Where you can tell. I am here. Or you can talk. I experimented with marijuana and didn't inhale. Or you can talk and talk. Ten federal criminal penalties for possession of up to one ounce of marijuana. While we talk about toke on Toker Talk Radio. So by the way, when it comes to pot, you know, if you're 40 years old, you live in a log cabin in Oregon, you got 12 giant pot plants in your backyard, have a ball. Live from beautiful Portland, Oregon at Rolla J Studios. Plus your calls live at 971-533-7111. They're walking on their pants with their cap on backwards, listening to the enema man and Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. What's to keep somebody from getting all potted up on weed and then getting behind the wheel? Gateway theory doesn't work. It's a reality. Holland, is it real? up people that take a couple of puffs of marijuana and and the, the next thing you know they got 10 years and now here's your host the guru of ganja graphics the sultan of sativa statistics and the worst nightmare of a reefer mad prohibitionist a polite perspicacious productive pothead with a propensity for powerpoint radical russ belleville Oh, yeah. Good day, tokers and tokens. It's hour two. Toker Talk Radio, where we let down what's left of my hair and uh, get to chat with you guys. Uh, unfortunately, I can't chat with you guys on the phone line yet because I haven't quite worked out the bugs in my uh, call-in line when I'm on my remote studio. So i got to get out, that all worked out. We will as soon as we can because I'd love to be talking to you. But you can join us in the chat room right now. Michael Hughes, John Thomas, BTC, all in the chat room. Uh, John Chambers as well. Uh, lots of great folks chatting things up on today's live show. Glad to see you all out there. I am in the uh, on the fifth floor 
no, seventh floor, sorry, seventh floor of the Hooters Hotel and Casino, because, you know, when I travel, I'm all about class and sophistication. <laughs> no, I typed into Hotels.com and it was the cheapest hotel. Okay, folks, don't uh, don't get any ideas, okay? I, I tell you, when I go down there into the casino floor area and see all those scantily clad Hooters girls, I, I'm, you know, uh, maybe I'm offended. I don't know. <laughs> You don't believe a word of it, do you? No, I'm sure you don't. Uh, well, folks, we got a great show coming up here uh, for this Toker Talk Radio Hour because one of the things I do in this job that I feel incredibly blessed to be able to do is to speak to our drug war POWs. One of the first people I met in 2009 uh, who had served any time for marijuana uh, violations was, uh, the, was Bobby Platshorn. And uh, Bobby, of course, was uh, black tuna, and he was he was a marijuana smuggler in the seventies, and uh, was a uh, uh, just got out after doing you know twenty nine years uh, in the slammer, and uh, he was sentenced to sixty four. So not so bad if you were doing you know if you're expecting to die in prison. At least he got out, but he's in his sixties now and he's formed the silver tour and I've talked to him numerous times about his, you know, almost three decades in prison. Uh, earlier last year, I got to meet Jeff Mazansky, the Missouri prisoner who had been serving life in prison for pot. Uh, he did 22 years before finally being released and I got to speak to him at an event. And at this event, I finally got to meet Dale Schaefer. You may remember the, the story of Dr. Molly Fry and Dale Schaefer, it's in the uh, book Cool Madness, and both of them have been call-in guests. In fact, I spoke to them on my show before they went to prison, like they were you know, a week or two away from turning themselves in and going into the federal prison system. And I finally got to meet Dale in person now that he's out five years later. Uh, from serving his mandatory minimum sentence. And it's just amazing when you get to meet these people and, and, and imagine how bitter or angry they must be about this. But really, most of them that I talk to when they come out, they're, they're elated and excited to be a part of the world again and to have some, some impact in ending this cruel prohibition. That's what I got a lot from them. And of course, the way that the world has changed, even in just the five years that Dale Schaefer was in prison, the way that the world has changed is always just amazing to them. And they want to take advantage of every opportunity. So coming up on the show today, we are going to be speaking with, Do with uh, Dale Schaefer at, in an uh, extended interview uh, with, sorry about that, an extended interview with uh, Dale Schaefer on the show. And we'll also be talking with uh, our... Uh, and that one's going to be a nice long interview here toward the end of the show. And then we're also going to be speaking uh, or going to be hearing from Todd McCormick, a uh, longtime cannabis activist and uh, in California who gave a Lifetime Achievement Award to Arjun Roskam from uh, the Netherlands. Uh, you may know him from the Strain Hunters. That's coming up in our Across the Pond segment. So that'll be our Toker Talk Radio for today because unfortunately I can't get the phone lines to work yet in the remote studio. If you're out here in the Las Vegas area and you'd like to meet up, I'll be here this evening looking for fun. So hit me up at Radical Russ on social media. Maybe we can hook up. And maybe you can hook me up. You know me, I don't travel with the stuff anymore. <laughs> be right back right after this.
This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon, at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. One of America's leading exports over the past 50 years has been the global war on drugs. Through UN treaties, we have bent the world to accept our marijuana prohibition. Learn how our allies in Europe are fighting for their freedom as we go across the pond. Arjun Roskam was part of an international panel, and here he's receiving an award from Todd McCormick. Not be gay. I did start my cannabis career in a closet, so... Um, and I'm really proud to be up here right now. Uh, 22 years ago this year, I went to Amsterdam for the first time for the first Cannabis Cup. And I met a young man and his wonderful wife who was running the coolest coffee shop in Amsterdam at the time. It was called The Greenhouse. Uh, it was on Tolstrat. And in the past two decades, I've watched my friend expand into four coffee shops in Amsterdam, two more in Spain, and then start <clears throat> a strain hunter's company that was bringing attention to the indigenous cannabis that is growing all over the world. A lot of us get you know, caught up in our hybrids and what's happened in the last 20, 30 years of cannabis, but we really don't recognize that cannabis has played a crucial role in so many civilizations around the globe. And my dear friend, Arian Roskam, I am very proud to present. Please, Arian, come up with a Lifetime Business Achievement Award. And I'd like to say, I wish you many more decades of success. Well, thank you for coming. What an honor. Um, 
It's a little bit strange for me to stand here um, because we are here in America and until five, six, seven years ago, nobody of us dared to come to America. Um, I started 34 years ago growing and uh, it's a pretty remarkable story. I was, um, I'm from Africa, original. I went on a holiday to Thailand and um, was traveling through the mountains and uh, wind up in a very small village with a man who was treating heroin addicts at that time. And um, not to make the story very long, but uh, the man completely intrigued me. Um, I stayed there for a day, it was three days, and the end was a week. And when I left, he gave me a hand of seeds and he said, Arjan, these seeds in the future can overthrow governments. That's how powerful those seeds were. At that time, I didn't really realize what he was saying because I was only 17 years old. This is 34 years ago. But I went back to Holland and started working with those seeds as one of the first in the world, in, especially in Europe. And as you know, in the meantime, Holland was a pretty pro-liberal country. We regulated euthanasia, abortion, gay marriage, and in the end also marijuana. Um, I started my coffee shop's greenhouse. And we had a message also there at the same time. A lot of people came from America. Um, and we also were very politically involved. And we wanted to regulate more and more and more. And here we stand 34 years, 34 years later. Great people from America came that time. Some of the organizers of this fair. Debbie, for example, Debbie Goldsberry, uh, with her great place now here in Magnolia. She started Berkeley Patient Group. Steve D'Angelo and all those people came. and. We gave them a message, go back to America and please help us out because we were under real, real big pressure until now. Um, it worked for a while. People like Woody Harrison, who became great friends of us, and Bill Maher and all those people went back to America and started advocating our case here in America with the result that today we are here. So we are very thankful for that, that you guys all have been activating for us and making sure that we, have, that we can grow more plants and that we can regulate this plant better because... I think this is the best plant on the whole planet that has ever been existing and can cure a lot of very, very good things. It's one of the main reasons that in 2006 I started a, um, a documentary series called Strain Hunters. And it's not only just getting back land races, it's also showing the world that around the equator there's 200 million people depending on marijuana as their only thing they have. And um, we have done a few in the past. For example, Jamaica, uh, just after we left, the president started regulating. Colombia, the same thing. And if you go now to St. Vincent and Trinidad, and you look up the BBC documentary with the president of St. Vincent, six months after we were there and we showed the documentary on YouTube, the president of St. Vincent also called up to tourists to come to St. Vincent and it was not a problem to have an ounce anymore. So through our, through our documentaries, we are trying to give out a message to everybody that cannabis is okay, that it's a great plant and basically it's the best superfood on this planet. Um, I only got four minutes, so I have to keep it short. We have a panel at 1420. Um, I want to thank everybody who made this possible in the world, especially my family, my wife and my kids, um, my, my, all my partners like Joa, Olaf, Franco, Heiko, they're all here. Um, I want to thank Todd for, for your long-time friendship. And I want to thank especially 
all the people who made this possible in the, in the, in the last 20, 30 years. And also, don't forget, guys, we have won the bad battle, but there's still a long way to go. There's a lot of people in prison, also friends of mine, and we are still fighting this battle. So I also, this battle is all, not only happening here in America, this battle is also happening in other countries. So please be also very internationally involved because we, we need your help actually more in other countries than here in America. But thank you again, and I hope to see you soon. Bye-bye. Roskam from the uh, Strain Hunters receiving the Lifetime Business Achievement Award at the International Cannabis Business Conference. If you'd like to hear more from Arjun, Todd McCormick, and other international uh, representatives, including representatives from Spain and uh, Portugal, I don't know if we had any Uruguayans. I think the Uruguayan didn't make it this time. But uh, check out my SoundCloud page, soundcloud.com slash Radical Rust. We'll have all of these uploaded for you throughout the rest of this week. Stay tuned. Our special extended interview with former federal marijuana POW Dale Schaefer is coming up next. I'm Radical Russ, live from Las Vegas on CannabisRadio.com. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Russ Belleville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, cannabis nurse Heather. Dr. Dabber, hurry! Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct! Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's order. Less heat, <laughs> More flavor. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda.
Welcome back to the International Cannabis Business Conference, day two at the Hyatt Regency. I'm Radical Russ with CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belville Show. And joining me here is a man I'm really excited to be talking to because he's sitting here and not a cell. It's uh, it's Dale Schaefer. How you doing, Dale? Well, I'm I'm not sleeping on yoga mats or eating bologna anymore. Trust me on that one. Yeah, that's a nice thing. For folks, uh, you may not know this story, but I've told this story before on the show. It was uh, chronicled in the book Cool Madness. It was the story of Dr. Molly Fry and the aforementioned Dale Schaefer sitting next to me who uh, were tricked by the cops. And it's just such a insidious thing they do where the, the cops get a fake ID, but it's a real ID. And then they use it to get a, a recommendation that's a real recommendation. Yeah. And they use that to entrap people like you. Tell people, you know, the thumbnail story uh, of what happened there. Well, it, the story begins in 97 when Molly was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, and at that point, uh, she's a physician and there's been physicians in her family since the Civil War. And up until they removed cannabis from the formulary in the 1940s, Every doctor used it, including doctors in her family. Yeah. And, of course, I don't want people to think I'm cannabis naive. I started smoking in high school, okay? Made okay. it all the way through college, the military, law school. And, you know, if brain cells were being torn up, I was adding a lot as I was studying. So, okay, we knew what we needed to do. Uh, we went to talk to her oncologist, and when she mentioned, I want to get a recommendation... His asshole snapped shut like a cigar cutter. <laughs> what? He backed up against the wall. His face got pale. Yeah. And at that point, you really understand. Doctors with a lot invested um, don't have a hair on their butt. Okay. Um, Molly was not out in active practice at that point. She was home being a home mom, and I was out practicing law. And um, we had to get her healthy because she was told, if you don't have this four rounds of chemo, this really terrible stuff, you're going to die. And we had little children. So, okay, this is not a rocket science deal. I went out to the black market where I knew people. I started buying pot at $4,000 a pound. It's like, oh, my God, i got to make a lot of money to do this. It'll grow from a seed. I had 27 acres. I started. I plant some in the backyard. I got five or six plants. I think that'll probably do us. Um, she was using two ounces a week, and I had to recalculate stuff. Uh, long story short, one day my neighbor comes over and goes, the cops are watching your property. I damn near shot one of them. He was up in a tree. I went, oh, okay. So Molly picked the phone and said, get your ass out here. We're not doing anything illegal. I got cancer. Boom, they show up. And she's not there. But I, I used to represent cops. They all knew who I was. And I said, come on, guys, let's go take a look. She got cancer. What yeah. is the deal here? Yeah. In California, folks. In California, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, Molly comes out, and of course, both of her breasts are removed, and her hair's growing back, but you can tell she's been ravaged by this. Um, and because they knew who we were, we had been in the courts helping indigent people. I was doing a lot of pro bono work for things like that. The judges all knew us. And they go, okay, Molly and Dale, if you guys will take a look at somebody and say, these people are legit patients, we won't waste time running after everybody says they're a medical patient, they're really not. Okay, so we call up Todd Micaria. Dr. Todd's Todd. doing this. Okay, we go meet with Todd, you know, and to be frank, burned a couple balls. He had a vaporizer, the right. volcano. I mean, he didn't. Okay, Todd, he breaks out his book and he goes, here, go back to the 1830s and read O'Shaughnessy. You know, the hemp, the Indian Hemp Commission report, you know, the Panama Canal report, the um, LaGuardia report. He goes, this is why I left the federal government, because you read this, you go, well, what's the question? The feds have their head up their ass. And we worked on paperwork. I'm an attorney. How do I keep people safe? 
so I opened my law practice to consultation, and Molly worked for me as my consultant because I could protect everybody's privacy. The attorney-client privilege is much stronger than the doctor-patient privilege. Oh, okay. So I didn't want anybody to know who these people were. But we gave them a piece of paper, notarized, and we said, if you get in trouble, we will be in court for you. Nobody else in the state, except, well, Todd would do it, but no other doctor in the state had the balls to even write one, let alone dare to show up in court and say, well, of course, I gave them a recommendation. Okay, that started um, our headbutting. We were no longer inside the law enforcement establishment now. Now we're on the outside. And, of course, you know what can happen with that. Yeah, yeah. So they uh, put together a, a case, the feds here, where they collected plants over... Because if folks listen to my show, they know there's a 100 plant mandatory minimum. Yes, there is. And they usually don't bother unless they can get 100 plants. And the thing that was insidious about this is you guys never grew 100 plants at once. No, no. Um, we start, They first showed up in 1999, and I want to say I had somewhere 20 to 25 plants, okay? Because Molly, I'm a hemophiliac with a blown-out back. Um, we had a friend who was an AIDS patient, and so I was... Basically, at that point, a caregiver for two people, okay, right. plus myself, and nobody could tell you what the limit was, so I threw some plants out there I thought would work, okay? They show up and count them, and they tried to scare us, and I don't scare that easily. Uh, okay, you're doing a fine job taking great care of your wife. You're going to be fine. What, do, what does that mean? Well, you're fine, but everybody else is not. Whoa, 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 hang on. What do you mean? I'm okay because I was your friend, and I, I'm a what? I'm a white dude, and that's okay. Everybody else is going to get pinched. and So we started at loggerheads over this, but they were counting plants, and I was happy to have them up. I want to comply. Uh, the DA wouldn't talk to me, so I ran for district attorney. And boy, was I a turd in their punch bowl. Because I had my friends show up with, you know, softball questions for them. If grandma's got cancer and grandpa's going pot, are you going to throw them in jail and prosecute them? <laughs> uh, uh, talk, look in the camera, and you tell yeah. the constituents you're not going to do that. Well, from that, we forced them to the negotiating table, and we got written guidelines for the county. And, of course, I stayed within those, come up and check and make sure I'm complying. Okay? But... They started counting plants, and there's a five-year statute of limitations for the Federal Controlled Substances Act, and if you reach 100 plants within a five-year statute, minimum mandatory of five years. Yeah. You get 1,000 plants, you're looking at a 10-piece. Plus, the sentencing guidelines will start tagging more stuff on. Sure. Okay? I didn't understand. I w My friends are going, oh, you're cool. Don't, and I say, don't grow more than 99 plants. Okay? But the next year, you grow one, and now you're at a five-year minimum. And nobody thought they would do that. We just like, oh, no, no, you don't get caught with 100 plants. Okay, that's simple. Yeah. Until I'm being charged with what? And, and it's 21 U.S.C. 841 is the statute that says 100 plants is a minimum mandatory. And I'm charged with what? So we start asking questions. What is this about? Well, you grew over 100 plants. No, I didn't. We'll do the math. What? What? <laughs> that's... It's, you know, if somebody said, well, can they do that? I said, well, the statute doesn't say they can't. So if right. you don't tell them they can't, guess what? They will do it. Right. It's like, imagine getting busted for statutory rape with a 20-year-old girl because five years ago she was 15. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, this. Well, because you tapped her once when she was less than 18 and, okay, we're going to get you. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm because we had science and law in the family... 
Molly and I both went, okay, we're going to address this with reason. Sure. Okay, there's your first, I tell people, <laughs> don't try to be logical with law enforcement. <laughs> it's like, what? It, it's like teaching a pig to sing, okay? Waste it your time. It pisses off the pig and waste everybody's time, yeah. okay? Um, but the county health officer, who was a physician, that's like, dude, don't try to tell us. The LD50 is 1,500 pounds in 15 minutes. It ain't going to kill somebody. It's effective, and the addiction potential is very low. What is the question? It ain't heroin, okay? And he had to kind of reluctantly go, yeah, I know that. But politically speaking, I don't give a rat's ass about your politics. People are going to jail here. Now, idealism, Russ, got me in prison because I was incensed. You're arresting black people. No one followed me into a boardroom when I was selling pot to the, you know, the people who were making decisions when I was practicing law and the guys who are now on the bench were out in my car smoking bud with me. No right. one followed me, the white dude around, but these black brothers and these, these Latino guys are going to prison. This is crazy. I'm incensed. I'm still incensed. Yes. After five years of looking at the ceiling, uh, eating bologna, it's like, you know what? Pragmatism. Uh, I've got to be a lot more pragmatic about this because where we are right now is not acceptable. How do you move the ball forward? I'm not sure. I'm not sure I like any of the things that are in front of us, but if something doesn't get done, we're still here. And the establishment wants us to stay right here because they're making money off of our misery. Yes, yes. So you just uh, finished your five-year sentence. How, how many months ago did you get out? Uh, I was discharged from custody September the 8th. And they still have you on papers for different um, things? I'm on paper technically for four years. Wow. Yeah. And uh, how is that working out for you? I mean, you're here at this conference, obviously, so you're... Well, um, it's, it's a bit complicated. At first, I was on travel restrictions. I had to get permission to leave the Eastern District of California, the Federal District. Um, it wasn't too tough to come to the Bay Area, but anything else, I had to do two weeks in advance, get permission, tell them what I'm doing, where am I going, addresses. I mean, just the car I'm driving in, it's like, yeah. you know what, I, what am I going to go knock over a bank or something somewhere? <laughs> okay. I got transferred to low um, offender status, okay, which means my travel restrictions are all removed as of January 1st. That's I can good. go anywhere in the country I want. Now, my free speech rights are still available, uh, and I would like to frankly get back to Washington, D.C. Um, my former campaign manager works with Rohrbacher. We're going to try to do something because my whole family's Republican. Okay. okay? I talk Republican well. I talk cop real well because I, I know all about them. Okay? Uh, I agree with some stuff. Other things we are, you know, I, my dad and I were like Archie Bunker and Meathead. Okay? <laughs> uh, so uh, they know that, okay, yeah, your dad bought you a dog collar because you had long hair, but we know what you're all about, so we're going to overlook some stuff. I know how to talk in a lot of different languages to these people. There is a potential right now, I mean, Scalia may screw this whole thing up, but a potential now to go to the Republicans and say, you know, there's this thing called the 10th Amendment and this overarching principle of freedom, which we've lost since 9-11. That was the excuse to just ratchet us in and take our privacy rights away. Um, if you're a libertarian at heart at all, if I want to smoke a joint in my in my house or I want to have weird sex with some woman or man or, I mean, not hopefully not a billy goat, but, you know, if, I, <laughs> if it's consensual in my own house, um, who's going to look in my window and come in and arrest me? What the hell is this all about, okay? It's a freedom issue. That, uh, that appeals to a lot of the conservatives who have a libertarian bent. 
Okay. And quite frankly, I, I think the Commerce Clause has been taken way, way, way too far. This is a federalism issue that the Tenth Amendment says clearly, if it's not guaranteed in the Constitution to the federal government, it all belongs to the states. Right. Okay. And they don't mention being able to control what I grow in my backyard, even though the court dredged up this 1940 decision, Wickard versus Filburn, to smack Angel Rage down. I was I was as horrified of that, I think, when they appointed Bush as president. But, you know, that's a whole nother, right. whole nother issue. I was disappointed in what they did, and the liberals jumped on board with this because they want to keep expanding in the Commerce Clause as a great shoehorn to get into this whole sure. thing, okay? I want to ratchet it back. Not that there isn't some room for the federal government, because I remember Billy Bob and Ted Rex, you know, letting you know their favorite friend who hung the black guy off because you know we're not going to we're not going to convict you. That's a fear of um, not having a federal system that can watch this. But I think those particular days should be gone, unless you live in Ventura County and you beat cops and you go there and Rodney King, he doesn't get any justice. But you know that's a whole other issue, Rod. That. I mean, Russ, that I just, you know, there's so many layers to this stuff of the injustice. When I was sitting in prison, I was face-to-face every day with the injustice of the war on drugs. Yeah. It is horrible. It's omnipresent. When you wake up in the morning and you start counting the heads, the vast majority are black or Latino, and they are not the big kingpins. They were some guy was pinched um, trying to make a living in the hood because that's the, the game in the hood. I mean, when I got out of high school and went to college, if I wanted a job, doors opened, and yeah, I got a job. I mean, we were all smoking pot, and nobody seemed to care. But if you're of color and you ain't got a job, and you're watching the street corner while somebody's you know selling rock or dime bags or whatever, you're all going to go to jail. They're going to beat the crap out of you along the way. And oh yeah, yeah, well you're just a bunch of criminals. Yeah, and and the worst aspect of it, and this has especially affected uh, female incarceration, especially African American female incarceration, is something I call the girlfriend effect, where. You know, everybody involved in the conspiracy has someone to snitch on except for the girlfriend. And so she's the one that gets the major time. Oh, I, I was at a halfway house in Frisco, and I met up with a woman, um, just a beautiful African-American woman. That's probably my daughter's age, okay? Heather's about 40. She was in that range. And I started asking her what happened to you, and she told me, well, my boyfriend was, you know, running um, cocaine, and... I sort of kind of knew about it, but I was staying out of the way. He's keeping me out of the way. They get rolled up, and I'm in the mix here. My name's up and all this paperwork, okay? So guess what? Nobody was there to help her. So she did 10 years because she was in a relationship with this guy who was out running coke, okay? Yeah. And whether or not you think that's a bad guy or not, which I really don't, but you know, she should have never been involved. But as soon as somebody gets arrested, they put the gun to your head if you're looking at a 10 or 15, 20-year sentence unless you start running your mouth. Yeah. Okay? Um, and in the sentencing guidelines, it's called a 5K. And it's, it was, I don't think it's comical, but you could tell a 5K when they came into the compound. Some guy, yeah, I got pinched with 30 pounds of crank and I got 18 months. And we're all backing away. It's like, yeah, I know what you are, okay? Because that math, I mean, I can do that math, okay? <laughs> I can do it in my and, head. And they're all over the place. They encourage rat on people, snitch on people, because the cops and the prosecutors don't want to do their jobs anymore. Sure, sure. And it's a frustrating aspect of this to me is 
the being charged with the crime and then being charged with the conspiracy of a crime. I, I mean, I know it technically doesn't violate the double jeopardy st- parts, but it feels like it does. Well, <laughs> until I don't know if you remember back when uh, Lynn Bias, his heart exploded. Yes. Okay, Tip O'Neill was aggressively fighting Reagan on any of these mandatory sentences and wrapping a lot of other things and to make it easier to get big sentences and convictions. When this kid, Lynn Bias, died, Tip O'Neill, because it was personally him, backed away. That's when they brought in um, the minimum mandatories, okay, and 846 of the controls, which is the conspiracy angle. Right. Okay. Let's use conspiracy because we can throw a big net out and bring a lot of people in. Okay. Before that, you had to go out and do your, you know, your gumshoe work and catch people. Yeah. Get wiretaps and hear them saying stuff for real, okay? It was, the mafia was their target. Right. Well, it was easy to take that, well, we're going to go after, you know, Guido, who's out there, you know, shooting people in the streets and running heroin, and we're just going to, you know, change our azimuth here and go over this direction because we can get these people with pot or whatever, okay? And that's when you see the steep climb in prison population. Okay, not that it wasn't rising after Nixon's debacle, um, but that's when the laws solidified and they took discretion away from judges because, of course, we got to have sentencing parity across the whole country, okay? And we want to make it easier to be able to... The tools, they call them the tools, okay? A gun to your head is a tool, a 10-year sentence, is, is a tool for the law enforcement and the prosecutors to try and get more conviction. For God's sakes, we have a 95% conviction rate in right. this country, Russ. Okay, yes. You go to Europe, and they're looking 50 60%. Right. And when it's something like 96% yeah. plead out. Oh, yeah. Well, and of those that do go to trial, I think it's like 60% still get convicted. So it's called a snowball's chance in hell. <laughs> now... In, my, in our case, our judge, who uh, was a Clinton appointee, used to work for Gallo, uh, Damrell, Frank Damrell, when we finally got to him, and that's a whole other story of how we had to go through all the judges in our county before our district before we finally got to him, he had his clerk come out and, and make it known to us that I got to give you a, a five-year sentence, but I ain't going to give you a second more, okay? Mm. And so I had no disincentive other than try the case. Right. Okay. So Tony Sarah represented me. Oh. Larry Lichter took Molly's case, and we went in there and we pulled their pants down in front of the jury and in front of the media because that was my goal. If you're going to do this, okay, and we were told you're golden children, you should never have been involved in this. You're a doctor and a lawyer. You should have never involved in what? Your hypocrisy. So we pulled, and Tony did a wonderful job of pulling their pants down every day. And Tony Sarah's been pulling pants down for decades. Too. Well, and, and they expose their zipper so often, Russ. <laughs> it's too easy. It's, 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 oh, my. Well, this, this guy who, who came to my house um, and said, oh, I smelled marijuana. I got back in my car, and, oh, I was feeling dizzy. And Tony goes, did you enjoy the music on your ride home? <laughs> And we're all cracking up. It's like, that's another one. You're so full of shit. You're not going to smell a smell from the 
terpenoids and the flavonoids from some bud I might have gotten on me and be intoxicated. Shut up. Yeah. Shut up. But they, you know, if, actually... Think if it that were that easy, I'd have saved a lot of money. Oh, my God. My <laughs> I mean, I'm not allowed to use marijuana, but it smells good. I mean, if that really worked, uh, I don't know what that would mean because I'm tested for the metabolites of THC. Sure. I mean, I'm not using it because sure. I'm still being tested, things like that. But that's the, the level of ludicrousness that these people in the DEA, these rabid prohibitionists, think they can throw out there and no one will ever hit it back to their side of the net and go, yeah, let me call you on your bullshit. Yeah. What? And, and I'm telling you, when I, the whole time I was in the pre-incarceration stage and when I went to prison, I called myself a turd near punch bowl. You're going to tell me something? And tell me that, oh, people are going to rely on what I say. I'm going to tell you, hey, let me, let me tell you about the studies, okay? What? Yeah, it's called science. Okay, that's how we're going to defeat you. Because just because your mama told you something and you believe it, that's your opinion. I could give a rat's ass about your opinion. I want to know what are the facts. Mm-hmm. I, Ethan Russo is a friend of mine. Yes. Ethan, okay, what's up? Don Abrams, same thing. What's going on here? There's a few other people I haven't seen in years or haven't met yet. I want to go talk to them, look them in the face. Tell me where the endocannabinoid system understanding is now, where you think it's going, because there's battles to be fought on uh, you're an impaired driver. Bullshit. People have been driving stone for a long time. I like to say that uh, legalization of marijuana does not invent cars and marijuana. No. Oh, my God. (laughs) They've been around a while. Oh, my God. Um, I was on a panel, Russ, with Dale Sky Jones and another former U.S. attorney over in Sacramento, Peter Hecht had written a book, and there was a chapter on us. So come on in and talk about this. And the former sheriff from Sacramento, John McGinnis, was there. You know, he's sort of the bastion of the conservative on KFPK radio. You know, I'm going to roll in, and I'm going to represent the conservative. He started talking about marijuana and alcohol and driving. Yeah. And I just had to stop him. Stop, stop, stop. Why do you keep lumping those two together? Okay. Because if you use cannabis, every study you've ever done, and you know this, you can't back away from it, says... You have a little veering inside the lines, but if anything, you're going to stop 100 yards short of the stop sign and creep up to it. Right. You're not going to blow through it and hit somebody broadside. Okay? Right. So stop it. And these were all full of um, college students that are my children's age. And it's like, I'm talking right to you guys. Don't put up with this stuff. Stand up and challenge these people who think they're authority figures who are really just full of shit to their eyeballs and make them substantiated. Not with, well, I believe this. Well, I don't care. You know, uh, your opinion is what? Not worth a crap if you can't back it up. Yeah. Show your work. Citations help. Well, <laughs> but see, when you're trained as a lawyer, you learn that anytime somebody wants to give you their opinion, you stop them right now. And you object. This is a lack of foundation. I want to ask you, why should we believe you? Where did you go to school? Where did you get this experience? But people will take someone's opinion and go, oh, because he said it, it must be true. No. I want to back up a little bit. And that's how my mind works. When somebody starts to tell me their opinion, I say, well, you can believe anything you want. The earth is flat. You know, that uh, like Galileo was told, well, you can't challenge that, you know, we have a solar system. You can't say that. Well, I'm looking up there at the sky and tell, you know, that's why I say this. We're trained to stop people. It's irrelevant. It's hearsay. It lacks foundation. It's just your opinion, and we don't care about your opinion. That's how I see what people tell me. Okay. Now, some of them are great stories, but when you want someone to believe it, now we got a whole nother 
animal to try to dissect. And when somebody tries to take a position of authority and throw out bovine scatology like that, it's like, no, 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 back it up a little bit. And, and Dale was sitting right next, Dale Sky Jones, and it's like she and I were trying to tag team this guy. Stop, you know, come, come on, stop, 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 don't. But there's so much propaganda that's been fostered for so many decades that people will just say, oh, well, it must be true because it's been said so many times. Really? Is that your position? I, I don't buy that at all. Um, I, I just think that facts... And uh, people who have the credentials to state the facts will ultimately, at the high levels, attack the people who are in positions of power who want to rely on fear and propaganda. Okay, But that's just one level of attack. At the bottom, it's clear the people are out there going, we just don't buy this, man. You're smoking a joint. You're probably a nicer guy. We don't buy this stuff anymore. Yeah. But that's at the electoral level. And that's the complications of politics, which... Now the people in the industry, as we get closer to legalization, it's going to actually happen. Okay, And then the question is, well, now what? Has anybody thought post-legalization? Is this movement going to split into conservative and liberal and independent wings? I mean, because that's sort of the tribing up that we see in everything else. Yeah. Um, and then what's going to be the issue then? I don't know, Russ, because yeah. I'm coming out of five years being away... And watching TV, which is sort of controlled, um, and stepping back in this, where I can look somebody in the eye. Because that's, that's how I was raised. Look somebody in the eye, okay? Especially shake a man's hand and look him in the eye, okay? Because then you can say, you, know, you may be able to be a good actor and bullshit me once, but once I find out you did, we're done. Okay? You, you can't tell what people are pulling your leg in the media, things like that. Yeah. So I'm more into, I want to set out with my friends, okay? Tell me on the ground what's happening, okay? Um, the physicians I know, tell me how it's happening. Not only your understanding, but the politics were at your level. The Veterans Administration, I'm a vet from the Vietnam era. PTSD continues to be a problem. I mean, I'm over 60 years old now, and dudes who have survived that long without killing themselves, or, I mean, they have wrecked their brains and their bodies with alcohol, homelessness, incarcerations, because what really happened is... That war with no front line and no enemy in, in another uniform that you could say, there's the bad guy, messed their minds up horribly. And now a whole new generation has gone to the Middle East and same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who was the bad guy? Well, every place I looked was the bad guy. Right. And these kids, I mean, I call them kids. They're really not Russ. They're, they're my children's age, but they're adults. So it's not a pejorative folks out there. I mean, if I right, call right. you a kid. Um, but they have had their minds twisted up. And the VA, I've seen the VA pull someone's drugs, all of them, because they test positive for cannabis. Yep. Yep. And it's like, how times. draconian. Yeah. yeah. You can't even talk to them on the compound. I, I had probably 150, 200 Vietnam-era vets that were coming in, and they get their recommendation once a year, and we'd shut the door, and we'd all have a crying session. Oh, how you doing? Oh, you're not getting along with the wife, you know. The, all the real problems that they were able to talk about now were before. They couldn't sleep. They were like a hair trigger ready to go off. Now it's like, oh, 
you know, the wife's, we're not getting along on this and that. No, I remember the days and then we'd have a good cry. It's like, okay, we can all do that. Because I was a corpsman. It's like, Doc, let me tell you about it. Sit down and tell me about it, okay? I'm not a threat to you. Let's hear what you have to say. That's the healing that takes place with cannabis and a vet. And I've been there in the trenches, and I, it just blows my mind that someone who's butthole is so tight they won't even consider cannabis and they'll let these vets blow their heads off to the tune of what 20 a day something 22 like that. a day yeah. yeah and it's like well uh, this is a political problem no it's not it's your tight asshole problem is what it is this is about compassion you cannot kill yourself on an overdose with this okay it's effective the addiction profile if you want to use that word addiction is so relatively low that it should be moved further down in the consideration of physicians. Okay, yeah. I mean, not that I haven't seen people who can't get off the couch and stop eating Hershey bars and ho-hos and watching TV. Okay, if that's you, then you know you're probably addicted to spanking your monkey too. Okay, <laughs> um, I don't know if that's true addiction. Uh, I belong to a group that's trying to bring harm reduction and move away from the NAAA 12-step models yep. and get more sense in treating drug abuse or substance abuse disorders um, and just first of all don't let somebody die with that because they are a human being and just because you're a heroin addict and you're sucking your water out of the uh, you know to shoot up out of the gutter it doesn't mean you don't deserve some compassion we got to move beyond that we may be mad at them but that's not a reason to throw them in jail and let them die yeah so once we get beyond that then perhaps we can have some more discussions because cannabis should be so simple. I mean, first of all, why can't we grow hemp everywhere in this country? Yeah. The hemp, the hemp part is the most well, unbelievable, but isn't it? When you go back and see, this is where Todd and I had a lot of discussion about this too. And you look at what happened with Pancho Villa and the Mexican um, Civil War that was pouring over the borders and they grabbed uh, Hearst Timberland in Mexico, and he's all butthurt about that. And then you see the yellow journalism. That role started going, but in the 1920s, the decorticator was invented. So now you don't have to have peasants rotting the stuff in the field. You know, it's like any other commercial product. You cut it, stick it in, fiber pulp comes out. and So Scripps in San Diego and a few other people, even Hearst went out into the Imperial Valley and grew some. Let's see what this is like. Well, they decided we're going to follow timber. Okay. And then the DuPont company is working on synthetic plastics. Okay. And petroleum was the basis for these petrochemical plastic agents. And, at, you know, you'll never get anybody to admit that DuPont had nylon in its back pocket when Anslinger lied to Congress. And, you know, that whole thing is just a debacle. If you read the what they did to the AMA representative showed up. So we already showed talked up. We've had it. enough yeah. about you because he was fighting against you know um, medicine, trying to be given to everybody. The AMA was against it, and FDR. I mean, see, I'm a historian, so I go back and look at this. And there's there's some things that happened that brought this to the fore. Sure. And Anslinger's hooked up to the Mellon family, which is you know the Dupont financiers. So behind closed doors, who knows what was going on? Yeah. But within a year of um, the Marijuana Tax Act in 37, DuPont had nylon out there on the market. And, of course, the argument was, well, we can go to the Philippines and get manila hemp. We don't need this. And the seeds, well, as long as they're denatured, 
the um, the bird industry. Well, we want to have see. Well, you got to denature them. You can have all you want. Yeah, that's still in the law. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and so those groups were given sort of a favorable situation. But I've smoked Kansas dish bush before, and one time's all it takes. Yeah, <laughs> and you know that field ain't good. And then the world will get out. You can grow all the hemp you want. No one's going to steal your plants. Right, okay? right. So why was hemp put into this? Okay. Uh, I have some suspicions, and they're all nefarious. Mm-hmm. But here we are today, and we still can't manage to say if it doesn't have less than 0.3% THC, then it's a psychoactive. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I, I love it when they uh, they say the potency of marijuana has risen from 1% to 2% in the 1970s. Like, look, I, I saw the Cheech and Chong movies, and I've seen the, the clothing of the 70s. They weren't smoking 1% to 2% weed. <laughs> well... I was a connoisseur of hash yeah. myself, yeah. okay? Temple balls, blonde Lebanese, hand-rubbed charas from, you know, the northern part of India. Just because what was commercially available was what we called, you know, dirt Mexican. Right. Okay? You smell it and go, oh, man, will you bury this in the backyard or something? Okay. <laughs> it wasn't bad, but when you get the stems and seeds out, you go, okay, well, it'll get you high a little bit. But then Panama Red and Oaxacan and some other... Better varieties started to come on the market as bud, but still, you could get from around the world um, hand-rubbed and sieved products, and they were available, Mm -hmm. okay? And it's like, you know, I I don't mind smoking that Mexican stuff, but, you know, I got a grandma, hash, let's go out. And and then hash oil shows up, it's like, oh, dude, (laughs) this ain't your daddy's dirt weed. And that's so funny that, that you know, now, uh, especially as it's hitting the East Coast, everybody's freaking out about shatter and wax oh, and dabbing yeah. as if hash oil were something brand new. Oh, please. Please. <laughs> I, I, I remember, and, and you know, I, I'm pretty brutalized. I was, I smoked pot, you know, my life going to college. I remember the last day of a sociology class. Me and a bunch of my buddies, the guy shows up, I got some hash oil, so he dabs it on the papers, he rolled up. And we were fried, okay? And I go into sociology class, and the teacher, you know, it's, she was boring, okay? Let's be frank. And we just didn't say anything. Well, I'm stoned to the bone. And she goes, anybody got any comments? Well, yeah. When you take a two-minute inhalation, and then you roll on monotone for five minutes, it gets difficult to set in your class. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was brutally honest, but it's like, I think that was... The hash oil the talking hash oil right talking. there, okay. <laughs> and I went from a straight A because I got an A on every test to an A minus because she just had to send a message. Right. Yeah, all right. Biatch. I understand. <laughs> I won't do that again. But um, oh, I, I've been down some of these roads before. That's amazing. <laughs> Well, it's been an amazing time sitting here talking with you, Dale, and uh, you've got so much going on now. You say you're working forward to uh, you know trying to get legalization to happen. If people want to get in touch with you, learn more, or get educated, what would you suggest? Um, well, I will tell you that I have been IT challenged for a long time and being out of commission for five years. Um, my daughter is helping me. I have a law firm website or Facebook site called Dale Schaefer Law. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, which is about as much as I can do. Twitter comes across, and I look at it and go, well, what am I supposed to do with this now? Uh, educate me, okay? And I'm getting better educated. Some people that have come forward to try to help, like a blog and things like that. But right now, the Dale Schaefer Law site on Facebook is where we're posting some things. And um, 
I just, my office just got set up officially on Friday. They put the fax line in. Um, and MRSA, I, I mean, that term is so ironic. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, in prison, MRSA was rampant. Yeah. Sure. Mark Emery got MRSA. And yep. We thought we were going to lose him. Anyway, that came on board since I was released from prison. Okay, so now... Um, I'm curious how they're going to flesh this out. By the way, listeners, that's the Medical Marijuana RSA. Regulation and Safety Act. Yeah, the okay? new Medical Marijuana Acts in California. Mimursa or whatever. Mimursa. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> Not you a know, mimosa. Methicillin-resistant staph aureus is MRSA, <laughs> and it's deadly. Yeah, okay? yeah. But Mimursa is a skeleton um, that needs to be fleshed out. And I've got many of my friends out there who ask me, what's this going to mean? Well, I don't know because they haven't put meat on the bones yet. But if you're curious, then you need to be paying attention at your local level. They took away the March 1st deadline for all the knee-jerk bans, and now there's time. Okay, there's going to be all these levels of licensure. Okay, And if you want to be involved in this at all, take a look at what you think your community can get involved in and regulate. Okay, And that happens at Board of Supervisors and City Council meetings. And as that gets on board, you have to have those local licenses permits to even go apply for a state one. Uh, and so I will get involved in that process just because I, I helped found a group in El Dorado County that stayed very close to the sheriff and DA trying to make sure that you're not going after medical patients. The county I'm in right now, Placer County, is talking about trying to set some regulatory frameworks up as this moves towards real working um, businesses, Sacramento County, I have friends that have dispensaries and things there. I have to stay away from counseling someone to violate federal law or aiding and abetting them because that would violate my supervised release. So everybody hears from me. It's against federal law. You understand that? And I'm here to tell you, if they pinch you, you're going to prison. Okay. Now, if you decide to do this, the Ogden and Cole memos and Rohrbacher's pulling back funding helps at the federal level, but it's still federally illegal. The state level, <clears throat> state law is coming on board and understanding what it is and teaching people is the easy part of it. Um, I was never a business lawyer, but I can certainly draft contracts. I've represented people that had businesses and the framework of a business, the contracts, agricultural contracts have been in existence forever. Um, transportation contracts, who's responsible for when, testing, if it's dirty and pesticide-ridden, who's responsible for paying for it, okay, who takes the hit, who insures for that. These are things that legitimate businesses plan because you plan a business for at least a year, okay, and you've got to have that much understandable stability. And so the people who are flying under the radar are wondering, well, I really can't get these permits they want me to have on January 1st because they don't exist. How do I say I'm in a priority position when this comes on board when I couldn't satisfy the law? Well, right. welcome to the real world yeah. of, the, of the law. Oh. Okay. <laughs> it's so a big mess. I'm trying to understand this, Russ, and I, for the five years, or actually 52 months I cooked in prison, I went from being pissed off at the world, okay, I got two daughters-in-laws, four new grandchildren, and if you know me at all, those are things that are very important to me. Okay, anger does nothing. I want to take those things that I sat there and stewed on and turn them into 
pragmatic action. I have uh, an experience with the system. I've been a lawyer for almost 30 years. I was married to a physician, a, a cancer patient. Um, I understand a lot of this stuff, and I'm not afraid to stand up and speak out. They're not going to throw me in prison for telling the federal government you're wrong. They may not like it, but they're wrong on so many levels, and so are the state, the narcotics officers, the DA associations. They still will tell you, oh, there's no value to medical marijuana. Oh, <laughs> fight me. Yeah. Well, Dale, thank you for stopping by and talking to us. This has been you are a welcome. very wonderful, wide-ranging hey, discussion. Push the button and we'll talk all day, all right? <laughs> That's right. I look forward to coming back and chatting with you again. Good luck with everything. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll have more from the International Cannabis Business Conference here in San Francisco, California. I was so thrilled to be able to get the chance to talk with Dale Schaefer. And uh, his uh, daughter, Heather, big thanks to her for finding me and getting us hooked up for that interview. Follow him at Dale Schaefer Law on Twitter. That's D-A-L-E-S-C-H-A-F-E-R Law. Dale Schaefer Law on Twitter. You can also find Dale Schaefer Law on Facebook. But that's all the time we got for today. Thanks for joining us here on the Russ Bellville Show, live on CannabisRadio.com from the Hooters Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Got a couple of meetings I got to make it to with some potential angel investors. And then tomorrow, early morning flight to Seattle for the CannaCon coming up Thursday through Saturday. I'll have all the coverage for you on CannabisRadio.com. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you try it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth.